0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical, gospel-centered ministry awesome tip. Every week Gee really In listenable Easily listenable Format
1: Just like uh, One or three yeah. <laughs> Just like Neil Diamond uh, Derek and I <laughs> Derek and I
0: Had a fun trip uh, Back from NTE Canberra The other day And uh, There was a lot of Neil Diamond In your favourites playlist Let's just say Siri Was throwing up A lot of
1: Neil Well I'm not ashamed of that <laughs> I am not ashamed of that In any way um, Let me say Scott kept putting on Kate Bush. So you decide, audience, who should be more embarrassed. Now, the one thing
0: is brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches across Australia. And you've pressed play on another episode, and we're going to be talking about a mission ebook. Now, uh, the context for this mission ebook we've got a new uh, podcast season on the Reach Australia podcast with uh, three uh, awesome hosts, pushing into mission uh, together over six episodes. Uh, in it, we hear from Dave Robertson, who's the mission pastor at Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle, just north of Sydney. Dave Jensen, who's the mission pastor at EV Church on the central coast, a little bit lesser north of Sydney than Newcastle. And, uh, and Joe Clark, who is on the, is part of, a key part of the ministry team at Hunter Bible Church. Uh, in Newcastle as well. So that's the podcast season. But to go with it, uh, Dave Jensen's created an awesome mission companion e-book to sort of read alongside and to help you think into mission in your local church. And so we're just going <clears> to <throat> push into that, dive into that today. Uh, Derek and I just want to talk about that uh, about that e-book. So Derek, uh, first section really pushes into the theology. Now, why is it so important to, to get this right? and to spend time thinking about the theology of mission. And in some ways, like, do we really need to? Like, you know, do you need to spend a lot of time on this? <laughs>
1: Oh, I feel like this is a trap. Is this a trap, Scott? <laughs> no trap. First of all, I just want to affirm, I just looked up Google Maps as you were giving uh, directions before, Newcastle is north of the Central Coast. So that's good. <laughs> I just want to affirm people who are listening that as a case. Uh, why push into theology? Well, I think everyone knows why we're doing this. But I think the the danger down the track, if we're not theologically driven in this, um, is that we, we drift into pragmatics. So we could be very effective at manipulating or coercing people uh, into the life of the church and into doing what we're doing. Um, But that's not the goal. The goal is to see people come to life in Jesus. The power that we have is in the gospel. Uh, The the gospel is not in the power they have, it shapes what we do. Um, And I want to go one step further than that as we dig into the gospel and explore it more. You think back to those days in which you became a Christian. um, It first of all seems so much about us, and it is. But you keep digging and you realise what an unbelievable God that is behind this that he would do this for me. Uh, and you keep digging behind that and you're thinking this is actually all for his glory even while it's for my benefit as well. So my theology drives me to a much deeper understanding of what God is doing in the world and then we work back. So it, unhelpful pragmatics flow out of unhelpful, erroneous theology. And that's why we're talking about theology here. That's why we start with that. Yeah. Now in, in this first section of the ebook, uh, Dave talks about
0: uh, three conversions. Um, you know the, the conversion that you have often or that you have to become a Christian. Uh, so we all know that sort of from our perspective. You know, the point of time where we prayed the prayer or someone challenged about the gospel and we actually uh, responded. Mm. Uh, there's the conversion you need to have to actually share in Christ. Uh, and I can still remember that conversation that I had with a lot of my staff workers where, you know, you open up the Bible and, uh, you know, push me real hard real hard to sort of do walk-up evangelism on campus. Uh, and, and that, Started, I think, a conversation over three or four weeks. It took him three or four weeks to convince me and to get get me out onto the uh, onto the library lawn. Uh, but once I was on there, you couldn't you couldn't hold me back, and you couldn't hold me back on the library lawn. You know, at the carols event in the office, uh, you know, in a whole bunch of places. But it was a it was an important conversion, and it uh, needed a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of push. So, Mike Russell, down Adelaide, thank you, <laughs> and sorry for being so uh, tough and hard. Um, and then the last one, the conversion to having actually an effective mission plan. You know, I think I think we often think you know like our conversion stories, like oh look, I went along to this event. It wasn't planned. It was a God moment, or this person came into my life, or I just flipped open my Bible and uh, you know and I read it. One of my favorite conversion stories is is a, a guy at college. We had a number of Cambodia Cambodian pastors uh, training with us at SMBC. Uh, and he became a Christian. He he smoked his way through the Bible. So he used a Bible that he'd been given by a missionary to make um, rollie cigarettes, and uh, you know, and he and he basically got pretty much all the way to the end and thought, I better actually, you know, read this, and, and read it, and and became a Christian. I still think it's one of my one of my favourite conversion stories. Although I do have another one, but it's not for this podcast. Uh, and so uh, you need to be converted to an effective mission plan. You know, mission building, mission heat in church life actually. Uh, requires thought intentionality and planning it doesn't just happen and and this is one i want to uh, particularly challenge senior pastors out there to uh to 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 recognize that actually they're often the blockage they're often the blockage because it's often left up to them to plan this uh, and they often also love doing it and it's it's kind of in you know in their heart but they actually then hold on to things and actually don't build teams around them uh, and build you know build capacity
1: around them as well which, you know, again, we, we often do Ephesians 4 in this, but there's lots of other passages, but Ephesians 4 captures it, um, that we are a body in here and we are gifted differently. And mission is not given to one person, it's given to all of us, uh, even though we have different uh, ways of engaging with it. Anyway, so that's that's section one theology. Or well, Scott, so what do
0: you got? Section two, mission heat. Now, yep. uh, Derek and I uh, had a wonderful time down in Canberra. Canberra, if you can visit Nations Capital, uh, visit it. But we were down there for a reason. We were down there at NTE talking with students about church planning, talking with students about the local church and uh, you know one of the questions we put up over the the two or three days that we were down there uh, for consumption and for interaction was what are some of the key challenges that your church is facing and I put this phrase you know mission heat. Uh, it was interesting, having you know having a chat to a number of people, they said, oh, we just heard this lots when we were at the conference last year. You know, Mission Heat's kind of just ringing in my ears. But, but what do we mean by uh, Mission Heat? And particularly, the e-book presses into, you know, building Mission Heat
1: in congregation members. You're asking me what I think it oh. means? I'll answer that question. I'll take a swing at that. There's no one else here. Um, yeah, it does feel like a buzzword at some level, Mission Heat. But effectively, what we're talking about, that it captures the idea of Um, not having, well, first of all, not a flash in the pan. And so it's not just doing, hey, we'll roll some evangelist in for a Saturday night, he'll do a talk, and we've done mission for the year. Um, No, no, we are looking to, across the whole of church life, in every aspect, allow our theology, that is, that uh, God saves sinners, that God's heart is for the lost, and that we are called to be part of that, that to infuse every part of our life. And so mission heat across everything we do, the idea of evangelism, just infuses what we do and lifts the water level again and again. So, yeah, mission heat for us is just that term that captures how is it that we cross every aspect of our life and our church, particularly if we're thinking of leaders in churches, how is it that we build mission heat across the whole of church? Now, one of the things Dave talks about is uh, he talks about the
0: three C's of mission heat. He talks about confidence, competence, and uh, the importance of connections. Very briefly, just push into those.
1: Yeah, well, let me give you a quick illustration. I think for me, as, I've, as I think about this, um, uh, captures it, I don't think they're in our circles generally. Oh, I think at least arti- we articulate convictions quite well. And so we say, yes, we need to be involved in what God is doing in the world. Uh, we do want to see people become Christians. And so when we're preaching, that often will infuse what we do. Evangelism is a relatively easy application point. Share the gospel with your friends, invite them for church. Now, uh, often it can become get frustrating when people don't invite their friends, they think that their convictions, the people listening, their convictions aren't deep enough, that's the problem. You think, actually, no, I don't think often that's the problem. I think often people share that same theological conviction. It may just be that our church, let's just take Sunday, for example. I'm going to go out on a limb and... It may just be that our Sundays are so painful to invite people to, they're so insider-centric, they are so awkward in so many ways that the regular person sitting in the pew would love to invite their friend to church to hear the gospel, but there's no way that they could do, they give in the state of church. So there's a confidence thing there. It may be they just don't know, have the competence uh, in order to know how to invite. What does a conversation look like where I invite my friend to an evangelistic event or a pre-evangelistic event or church or whatever it might be. It may be as well that they don't have the connections, that they're in a Christian bubble or that they're not seeing the connections either. They're not seeing their workmates or their family or their friends as people whom they could share the gospel with. So. That's uh, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about confidence, competence, and connection.
0: So uh, interestingly, uh, as you as you push into this, uh, what do you think is the area that you know churches most you know struggle with? You know, and
1: church members most struggle with. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think well, historically, I think for me, um, the the difference has been between. Um, Probably the gap between convictions and confidence. Actually, um, I don't think I I don't think people feel confident if they invited their friend to church that the experience would be good. I'm not saying that if they invited friends to church they would understand everything. I'm not saying that we can't do things which might make people feel a bit awkward, like praying. We should stop praying because it makes people feel awkward, or don't sing because although I've got a few friends who would say don't sing. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a whole bunch of other stuff which we excuse away but actually lowers confidence in our church uh, body for inviting friends. Um, Or it might be as well that um, even in terms of their confidence in events that we've run, we've done the bait and switch. We've said, okay, this is just a night to invite your friends. Uh, Your friends turn up and there's a 45-minute gospel talk with an altar call. Obviously, that's an extreme example, but you understand. I think that for me has been a big thing, the difference between the convictions. Yes, I want to see my friends saved um, and the confidence, but I'm not confident uh, in the uh, ecosystem of my church, all the things that go on, uh, that it would lead to them having a positive experience around mm. the gospel. What do you yeah, think?
0: Well, it's interesting. I, I went along to uh, John John Chap. There was a book launch uh, um Baden State's done a whole research project on John Chapman who's a Sydney evangelist and his and his sermons and you know looked at a whole bunch of his sermons but someone just shared an anecdote on the evening and said that uh, you know John despite being a very gifted evangelist you know he just made the comment that John said repentance is always hard you know mm. it's always hard challenging someone to repent it's always hard you know seeing you know seeing someone make you know make the the, co- you know, the cog's turning over the head. What is, it, what is it going to look like for me to repent and actually turn towards Jesus? And I just found that really interesting because, you know, as you say, as you, as you grow in your Christian walk and understand more of what the Bible says about mission and understand more of God's heart and understand uh, more of what he's doing in the, in the cross and uh, what he's doing in my salvation and the salvation of others, uh, I, I just found it you know, particularly insightful that, you know, here's John Chapman, one of the best evangelists who, who just made the comment, repentance is always you know, is always hard. So I look at these three Cs and I just think there's something you just want to keep paying attention to, what you want, you know, want to keep coming back to in different ways. Uh, and again, one of the you know the best ways that I see is just, you know, seeing sharing those testimonies, uh, that just make it ordinary. You know, I, I saw a post on uh, Christian leaders uh, the other day and it was one of you know it was one of those you know kind of oh it's one of those articles where you go, Oh, that hurts, but it was it was it was beautiful. This church said we've had a baptism every week for 58 weeks. And I just thought, man, how encouraging would that be? Yeah. Come to church and yeah. you know, it's not a it's uh you know, it, it's it's a it's a baptismal tune. This is a Baptist church. I did the full full immersion stuff, but every week if hearing someone go, "I've made a I've made a decision to follow yeah. Jesus," that would just be so encouraging.
1: You couldn't sit there in that in that church and think um and think, "Oh, God isn't at work." You mm. couldn't sit there in that mm. church and think, "Oh, God doesn't change lives." Uh, you would be sitting there thinking, oh, who of my friends could I invite? Because mm. um, I want to see lives change. Yeah, absolutely. It builds confidence, doesn't it? That kind of stuff, seeing it. Um, yeah, and I've been loving seeing all the posts uh, just all across the Registrar Network of different churches who have had
0: their sort of baptism Sundays. Yeah. Uh, but I, lo- I love how it's, kind of, it's like baptism Sunday. And it's like, this is baptism Sundays. In fact, this is just every day Sunday. <laughs> uh, you know, you've got a, got a baptism. Anyway, yeah. section three, section three. Uh, let's get back to reality. All right, <laughs> oh, here we are. Okay, uh, section three is all about the mission funnel. Um, and uh, if you haven't heard about the mission funnel, loads of episodes you can uh, push back into, uh, listen to a whole bunch of stuff on, uh, uh, you know, from the Reach Australia Conference in 2019. Uh, but very briefly,
1: okay. Very briefly. Quick rant and then brief. The rant will be quick as well. Um, I've had I've had a number of people when I've been talking about this, I've heard this, use this language of the mission funnel, or other people have used it around me. I've heard the pushback. Um, you know, that the funnel doesn't work. Yeah, what do you the mean? Funnel is word? artificial. I put my coin I mean, in. <laughs> it always gets <laughs> to the bottom. It does. And I want to say this: the mission funnel is just a term to capture what everyone has. Everyone, everyone has a an engagement with people who aren't Christians and people who are Christians, and somewhere in between. So then, what's a the mission funnel? You all, know, doing. What, this what's, what's it helping your church person? All it's percentage? saying, you can see I'm a little bit fired up about yeah. this. All it's saying is be deliberate and intentional. Sure, you want to say you're relational, organic, that's great. If you are overstructured, you know, you've got a room full of engineers. Overstructure. structure over-structured, <laughs> that's fine. But let's just say, mission funnel is just a term to say, let's be deliberate about these four things. One, how are we contacting people? Is there a problem? Does no one know you exist? No, two. How are we connecting with? How are we helping people um, in a more meaningful relational way connect with with our church and our church people and church people to other people as well? Number three. How are we seeing people uh, engage with the gospel and come to know Jesus and be challenged to repent? Um, how are we doing that? And number four. How are we operating within our church in order to build each other up to Christ-likeness and mobilize one another for mission? Your church will be doing all four of those things. They may just be doing them really poorly or they may be doing one well, three poorly, whatever it is. The Mission Funnel helps you work out where the blockage is there. Yeah, great. So, that, so that's what the Mission Funnel
0: is doing. It's helping you assess. And so you actually may go, we actually don't need to add any more connection events. Yeah. Uh, because actually we've got you know really good awareness happening and we've got a great you know, Sunday that people are wanting to invite their uh, friends friends to. But it, you may go, actually, no, we actually do need to put in connection events in order to create uh, extra heat. So use it as an evaluative tool. Uh, it's 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 describing what is there, but it's also getting you asked the question, what do we currently have in place? What ought we put into place in order to see more people move into that opportunity where they actually get an opportunity to uh, investigate the claims of Jesus, In you know, whether that be in a course or in a one-on-one relationship or, uh, through a uh, another means as well. Uh, so can I encourage you to uh, to jump in, check out the uh, e-book. We're going to put a link in the show notes to it, uh, so you can download that. And can I encourage you to listen to the whole season of the Reach Australia Mission podcast? Uh, it's always good to uh, hear those in ministry uh, talk and share and reflect on their experiences. Even better when they argue and they disagree. So it's great hearing uh, Joe and Dave and Dave, you know, really push around this idea of uh, of, of mission. Uh, and what they're currently doing, but also uh, challenging each other, to sort of grow and, uh, and shape in that as well. So check out the Reach Australia podcast season on Mission as well.
1: Well, that's uh, it from us for the one thing today. Is that that's right? That's what podcasts are on? Excellent. The one thing. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really do encourage you to head along to uh, both the Reach Australia Mission podcast and check out the other uh, seasons that we've got on there. But I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.